You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Burn Listenvarna in County Clare for this week's best possible taste. I'm Birgitta Hedin Curtin, guest presenting for your usual host, Sharon Noonan. So, coming up on tonight's programme, we have, first of all, Kira Halran from Red Bank Food Company talking about oysters. Uh, we have Kieran O'Hallahan uh, talking about gin and where he came from in, when he came back into Listenvarna uh, from Kieran's Kitchen. We also have Neil Horse, the Baron Butcher, uh, talking about his butcher shop in Listenvarna in the Baron. And finally, Peter Curtin from the Baron Brewery in the Roadside Tavern. If you'd like to get in touch with Best Possible Taste, please drop an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Baron Salmon or Shannon, as usual, is at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organization. So now we're going to talk to, first of all, Kira Halloran from Red Bank Food Company. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kira Halloran from Red Bank Food Company. Great to see you here this evening. Tell me a little bit about, about your company here in the Burren, please. Yeah, we are a seafood company, um, a live seafood, predominantly export. Um, we work in conjunction with local oyster farmers and uh, fishermen, uh, mussel harvesters and pickers, um, and it's a family business. So we restarted about three years ago. It's myself and my father. Um, and we work, we take in the seafood uh, into our premises and hold it and then distribute to various hotels, restaurants um, around the country as well as export then to places like uh, Malta, Dubai, Shanghai, Beijing, Hong Kong, Guangzhou, Hungary. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And uh, it's great to see your, so we can actually see your oysters. And what's the name of your oysters? So the um, oysters are the Flaggy Shore oysters. Um, and that would be, and then we also do a Flaggy Shore dainty oyster. So it's uh, a smaller oyster, a more delicate oyster that we do as well. So they're on various different menus around the country. Okay, so you can go in, see it on the menu. Anywhere particular? In Clare, you can get um, them in the storehouse, the Burn Storehouse in the Roadside Tavern. Uh, and then in Dublin, they're in places like Lecavan, The Marker, uh, jewelry buildings, claw, um, yeah, as well as a number of other places. Fantastic. So tell me, what is it that is very special about your oysters? Um, so they have a very, they, they're grown, they start just a couple of hundred yards from down when they're um, in the hatchery uh, and they go to about seven miles down the road. We're situated between the three bays that we take the oysters from. Um, so they either go seven miles down the road or a, a mile around the corner. Um, with regards to the bay, they're coming from grade A water, which is uh, exceptional from internationally as well as nationally. Um, and with we're at the foothills, situated at the foothills of the burn at the, the mouth of Galway Bay. Um, and with that, some of the flavours that come from the burn region, so the, the rain trickles down to the limestone rock, flows out into the bay in small underwater streams. So we're not being met by any big rivers or by any big estuaries. Um, but certainly the underwater streams carry a certain amount of flavour to it. Um, and then would have been clean grade A water um, and it's, they, they, it provides quite a delicate, uh, crisp, refreshing taste on the oysters. Um, and then as we bring them in uh, and hold them again on, along where we are by Flaggy Shore, um, we're pumping in water on a daily basis so they're getting more nutrients from the, the clean grade A water coming in there. Um, and then we take them out fresh, ready to, to pack or to ship. So your company has actually existed for a while 
who started the company? So it was a, a family business, but my father was involved and has been involved in the seafood industry for probably over 30 years. Uh, he'd probably say less, but it's, it's over 30 years. Um, and uh, closed down a good number of years ago. Um, and myself and himself, we started about three years ago um, and got involved. So various other memory, family members would come in and get involved. And especially at busy times, there's a lot of family volunteers. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's mainly just uh, the two of us. And then we have a couple of guys that help us out as well. That's pretty amazing. Uh, tell me, the Burn Food Trail, are you, you're part of the Burn Food Trail? Yeah, yeah, so this year, uh, really excitedly, we decided to, to link in with the Burn Food Trail, um, which has been great from a networking point of view, but it's been amazing to showcase all the other local producers that are around. Um, very often when you're working on your own business, you can get stuck into your own daily business and, and knowing what's going on, but it's a great opportunity to actually meet other food producers around the area. Um, and something we're really passionate about linking in with because it's just a, a, a fantastic region for food and really passionate foodie people that are all promoting promoting the area. Um, it's an amazing platform um, for us to be on and an amazing network, uh, meeting other food producers. Um, and it has allowed us to showcase our products as not just the oysters that we do as well, it's the mussels and the clams. Um, and it, it's great to be able to chat about the flavour and how the burn links in to the flavour of that seafood. Um, in, in the region. Um, for us, with our products, because we're holding them in the water that we're pumping in from, from the bay just outside the building, that brings in a certain flavour to the menads because they're feeding away in the tanks before that they get um, served to restaurants and, and hotels and before they get served on people's plates. So that brings in a flavour and, and that with us being in the location of, uh, of the foothills of the burn, it brings the flavour of the burn into the, the produce. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you have other products? You said mussels, clams, Mus but do you also do maybe some other products? So mussels and clams and oysters would be our main products at the moment. Um, and then we, for years, worked with lobsters and crabs also. So we're just in the process of kind of looking at restarting that again. So, but at the moment, it's, it's the majority. It's, it's flaggish oysters, flaggish or dainty oysters, uh, wild Atlantic mussels and wild Atlantic clams. Wow, so do you get to travel quite a lot with this? Yeah, there's been a bit of travel. Uh, there's been a good few trips to China and a few trips to Dubai um, and London. So, yeah, and then uh, and then around the country. And then also you pack up the product and you're driving around Clare as well and, and dropping them off to various different places. So that's always good, especially when it's a nice sunny day. It's uh, a great excuse to get out of the office and out of uh, out of the administration say, so i got to go and do deliveries. <laughs> so um, part of the... The Burren area, I mean, we have the Burren Food Trail. You're involved in the Burren Slow Food Festival as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So we've done it for the last couple of years. Um, last year was there and, and it was great. There was a, a series of different oyster producers because um, oysters very much are linked in with slow food because once you put them out in the bay, it's all mother nature. It's all the natural environment that creates the flavour and the size and the growth and how well they how quick they grow, how well they grow, what flavour adds to it. So there's very little, there's a lot of work involved in farming them um, and in terms of or harvesting them and fishing for them. Um, but in terms of the flavour that comes out of them, they're very much natural, slow food product. So last year we linked in um, with a number of other oyster producers and suppliers and, and chatted about and especially was able to showcase the different flavour that comes from around the country and around the bays as to whether they are grown in one bay that's different from another bay. Um, and then this year we link in as well and, and we'll work with uh, Silver Darlings. We'll have a stand there um, so people can come up and try them and, and taste them and whether they are massive oyster fans already or not, uh, try them out. With our flaggy shore dainty oysters, because they're a small, delicate oyster, um, there's quite a clean finish to them, but they're, 
because of the dainty, they're dainty because of the size, um, but they're great for people that aren't sure about oysters, that have kind of said, oh, I wouldn't mind trying one. And then oyster lovers tend to love them because it's nice concentrated flavor on them, because again, because they're a younger oyster. Um, so yeah, for this, this weekend coming, we'll be here and we'll be in LinkedIn with a couple of different events with regards to the chefs and different people that'll be around, as well as then doing a stand up at the Slow Food Festival. And how would you describe but clean finish is there more description of the taste or yeah I guess so ours would be slightly saltier because they're grown completely out at sea they're not at the mouth of a river or an estuary so they're slightly saltier um, but I would describe it as like a clean delicate flavour very often when people say and especially if they're trying their first oyster and they're not sure about it I'd say well it's kind of like dunking your head in the water and uh, that saltiness that you get when you go to the beach. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it smells like the beach or, oh, it tastes like the beach. So that's it a, a, a lot of the time. And it's a very clean finish. Someone recently described it said, oh, you kind of get a shot of like fresh salt water afterwards. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a I would describe it as a, a delicate, clean, crisp um, flavor on the oysters. Wonderful. And what would you drink with it what would you have for drinking with it oh you could have uh, a number of different uh, things i mean the traditionally oysters are paired with guinness uh, or white wine um other places have started pairing them with different gins they've started pairing them with um there's a place in london that's doing whiskies with them um so yeah a lot of the time it'd be a, a white wine though a lot of the uh, people or champagne or uh, Guinness or Stouts, but you can pair them with, with anything, really. You know, you want something that's going to be fresh and that's going to bring out the flavour of them. The last question. What about only eating oysters in a month with an R in it? Uh, yeah, so that, I suppose, um, where that comes from is that there's two types of oysters in Ireland. There's one that's the farmed oyster and they're year-round. Uh, and there's another one that's the native or the wild oyster. The purpose of not having... Um, ones in the month with an R in it is it allows the native oysters, the wild oysters, which is at the time that they're spawning, to reproduce. Um, so it's a warmer time when there's traditionally warmer waters. The farmed oysters don't do that because they reproduce in a separate way um, to the native oysters. So they're available year-round and you can eat them year-round. Um, but the wild ones and the native ones, very often you won't get them on, the, on menus and you won't be able to harvest them from... May, April, May till about September, October. Really, really interesting to hear all about oysters and the Red Bank Food Company oysters. If anyone wanted any more information on us, they can check us out at www.redbankfoodco.com and our Twitter handle, our Instagram, our Facebook is all the same. It's all Red Bank Food Co. Um, and the oysters, the flaggish oysters, the flaggish or dainty oysters. So this is Kira Halloran from Red Bank Food Company. Thank you very much for coming along Thanks to us this evening and doing this interview. Uh, Flagashore oysters. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Thanks for joining me here this evening at the Burns Smokehouse, Kieran O'Halloran from the Kieran's Kitchen and the Burns Storehouse. I'd just like you to start off with um, telling me a bit about before you started the Karen's Kitchen and got involved in the Burns Storehouse. You're a native of Listenvarna. Uh, how come, what, what did you do in between being a native of Listenvarna and coming here to, to start the Karen's Kitchen and work with the Burns Storehouse? Um, yeah, I did quite a, quite a lot. Um, uh, at the early age of, uh, of 16, I decided that um, the school life wasn't for me, so um, I got on a plane and uh, flew to Edinburgh on... Uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, 1990, and um, 
yeah, kind of never looked back. Um, I was very lucky to to um, to walk um, in the in the the depths of winter um, at about minus ten degrees um, in the snow to a hotel in the middle of nowhere in Edinburgh, where there was a manager who was uh, involved with um, with uh, with Napier um, in in Edinburgh, and um, if you can picture um, this hotel, um, 12 bedrooms, uh, 17 kilometers um, away from pretty much the nearest town. And this young guy at 16 arriving um, at the door in January <laughs> and uh, no car, no nothing. Uh, and uh, the manager is shocked and looking out the window. Uh, I think he thought it was a joke. He was looking for my family. Um, wondering where the cars were. There was nobody staying in the hotel that night, so I just said, I'm looking for a job. And, uh, yeah, we went from there. And he introduced me to a woman called um, Jan Meldrum and um, uh, got me enrolled into Napier. And um, I did culinary arts for um, three years while while working in this hotel. It was a, a five-star country house um, uh, called the Johnston Burn House Hotel, which was an amazing start for me. Wow, that's uh, fairly impressive. So you decided to come back after all that. You you worked more. Tell us more about the story and you, actually how you came back to Lisbon. Well, yeah. So um, I ended up um, uh, leaving there, um, moved on to um, working for um, Bass uh, Carrington, and then um, from Bass Carrington, I um, moved to um, Mount Charlotte and Thistle Hotels, um, and I did two or three years with them. Um, then I was in and out of London for um, a little while. Um, there was a couple of um, um, food and beverage managers down there that I wanted to work with. Um, that was kind of what I wanted to do. Um, I'd stopped with the with the cooking for a while, and um, then I got uh, snapped up by um, an Irish pub company, which were Mitchells and Butler, and I was with them for probably about ten or twelve years. Um, uh, as from running their pubs up to um, being an area manager and then I went on to a consultancy team with them to do um, for new businesses and new pubs which were dotted all around the world so I did that for about two years and then I noticed that um, I could probably do this myself with a couple of other people and do it cheaper um, because what was happening I noticed was that when we, when we consulted on a pub uh, from the first instance, then we left for maybe uh, six to eight weeks while the pub would be uh, redone. And um, when we get back, uh, as you know, builders and um, you know they don't work in kitchens or they don't work behind bars. So there was a lot of things that were needed to be moved. Sometimes it could be a hundred thousand euros to be spent before we could go back. So we thought we could cut all this out. So we f- I formed another company. Um, with two guys, and um, we stayed on the site um, for the whole uh, the whole lot of it, and we um, we actually ended up selling selling our um, uh, our services back to the company that I worked for, um, and then around 2010, I think it was, um, I really had a, a, an urge to move back to Ireland. Um, you know, uh, partly for for just to be back in Ireland, um, because I felt there might be opportunities. Um, you know, um, usually in in a in a downturn, you know, where we were, usually there's big opportunities 
um, you know, and, the, and people that usually um, know the industry or know what they're doing, um, you know, can can come in and do things because it's it's very hard to um, uh, when during the Celtic Tiger, we'll say. I mean, I've seen it from flying in and out when there's so many businesses. Um, the emphasis even on people to 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 to, to seek out good food. You know, I feel that there was no value on it from the customer either. Um, but in the downtime, you find that people really uh, need to know what they're getting for their money um, because there isn't as much of it. Um, so that brought me back um, to Lisbon Varna. Um, going, going back to the roadside tavern, I suppose, um, it's something that stayed in my head for all the years um, that I spent away. Um, um, at one stage, actually, and um, I, we, we, came, we came back on, on a con- consultation. We flew into Dublin, um, and nobody knew I was in Liston Varna. Um, I was only here for three hours, and we looked at the roadside tavern, and uh, we actually did something similar in a pub in Dundee in Scotland, um, which was based, based on just on you know, what a, what, a, what a real pub is, you know, and, and this, you know, the, the Roadside Tavern is a real pub, you know, there's nothing added, things are on the walls, things are there, they weren't put up for, you know, for the tourists or anything else, there's postcards that were written to the family, they're there, you know, they're real, they, they could be 50 years old, you know, that's what you want, that's what we wanted, um, and then going back on, I suppose, on a, on a more personal, maybe uh, slightly funny side of it, um, my dad used to drive um, 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 Peter Curtin's uh, dad, John Curtin, around uh, as a postman many, many years ago. And uh, I think we used to all be sitting in the back of the car while he, while he was doing it. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of really what's, uh, you know, what's dragged me back here. Um, just uh, I seen an opportunity with Peter uh, Curtin and Brigitte Curtin um, to, to um, you know, enhance maybe what we already had and um, yeah and I've not looked back since you know. So you started with the Kieran's Kitchen really and your philosophy around food really. Yes yes well it just it, it came from I think um, I think what really hit me I, I was in a particular restaurant um, I'd flown in um, for for an event and I was in a restaurant um, um, in, in Limerick I won't name the restaurant but um, I read it was it, I felt like I was going to eat something amazing as I read the menu and what came out was a roast dinner um, for something in the region of 30 euros so um, I, 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 this was during the Celtic Tiger I couldn't figure out what was going on here um, I felt there was really not an awful lot of uh, um, care taken or sourcing or you know it, it just it didn't seem right for me um, you know and that's I think part of my passion came from probably working with the bigger companies. Um, I really learned how not to do it. And I always said to myself, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this ever, then, you know, stick to, stick to my philosophy and, you know, go from the, go from the ground up. And, you know, and that includes, you know, that includes your, your, your staff, your, you know, it's, it's, it's everything, you know, there's no point in, in having this, this, uh, this wonderful uh, locally sourced food, and uh, you know, and not have the the, the, the personnel to, to, um, to you know to look after the customer. You know, you, you can you can um, put you can put whatever you know on a table and and, and have have uh, a shocking service, 
and it still doesn't work. You know, it, it, it just leaves, it leaves a bad taste, excuse the pun. Um, but going back to, to, to the Kieran's Kitchen, um, so what, what I did was I just, um, at the time there was a big, a big movement between, um, between the local butchers, the farmers, um, you know, cheese makers. I mean, it's, I mean it's, always, it's always been here, but it just seemed to be this extra movement, you know, I, probably because of the downturn, um, you know, and I went and I chatted to a few people, um, you know, different, different farms, went down to Lanada Ice Cream, you know, we were trying to do some ice cream together um, with, with the Burn Black Stout that we brew here on the premises. Um, you know, and lots of little things like that. So I got to know these people, um, and then we came up with a, uh, a very s- simple menu, and um, um, but uh, also a, a twist, a, a, you know, a twist on on everything that's I suppose maybe the of, of, of Irish cuisine, um, and the biggest part obviously is using the local suppliers. So we're here in the Burns Storehouse. Your involvement in the Burns Storehouse is, uh, you know, it's amazing. And we're here looking at bottles of gin. Tell me a bit more about the gin bar. Okay, so the gin bar has just, um, has uh, literally, we're going to launch it um, for, the, for, the, um, for the Slow Food Festival on Saturday. Um, so at the moment we have uh, 38 Irish gins. It's, we're only dealing with, with Irish gins. Um, and um, I can name a few that we have here. Um, so uh, we have um, uh, Carrick, we have uh, Haypenny Gin, we have uh, Blackwater um, Irish Gin, we have uh, two Glendalochs, one is a Dillis Gin, one is a, a Wild Botanical Gin, uh, Jawbox, um, more, we have uh, uh, Bonac 24, um, we have uh, uh, Etchlinville, we have Lestoke, uh, we have um, Blacks of Kinsale, we have Boatyard, we have uh, number 57, we have Tin Gin, we have Short Cross Gin, we have Kilkenny, we have uh, Dingle Gin, and then uh, this uh, the last one, Bertha's Revenge, so this would be, um, I think it's named after a cow called Bertha that lived to about 48 years old, so it's a milk gin. Um, so yeah, that's a few of our, a few of our gins um, that we have um, at the moment. Um, maybe um, um, you'd like to taste. That would be brilliant. Yeah, let, pick one that you would like to feature a bit. Um, and, I think and what, give the tastings of it. Tasting notes. I think what we'll do, um, just seeing that we're in Ireland, we'll do the Glendalough uh, Wild Botanical Gin. Um, and the only reason I think I'm going to just pick this one out is because it's it's got a, 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 a taste of spring, uh, autumn, summer, and winter. <laughs> Um, which you could really say is probably a typical Irish day at times. Um, so um, we're going to do this gin, but just just quickly uh, how gin has changed over the years. So, you know, you had your gin and your slice of lime. So now these days, you know, we're serving gin with, with, with mint, uh, lemon, lime, blackberries, melon, grapefruit, apple, cucumber, raspberries, um, etc., etc., you know, depending uh, on, all the, on, on all the tasting notes in the gins. So, um, yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll pour this, um, this one now. And w- would you have a tonic with it, or? Yeah, we're going to use, um, we're going to use Poacher's uh, tonic uh, on this one, um, a rosemary and orange, I think would be, would be a nice one. Um, and um, Oshin Davis from, um, from, from Poacher's will be here on Saturday to, to, uh, to speak um, uh, for the Slow Food Festival. Um, so let's, um, let's just pour one now. Okay, so we'll just put this here. 
and we're just getting the gin now from here wow that's a bit of a bowl of a glass huh yeah it is yeah yeah it's <laughs> these um these are, are, are most most of the gins now have been served in balloon glasses um you know so you know who knows what's next um for, for the glassware it changes all the time um so just got the gin poured so i'm just getting the um the poacher's tonic now and um I'm just going to open this here there we go and yeah so so we'll just pour it in there um and we're going to do this um with um oh, there we go and that's in there and i'm just looking for the fruit and i'm going to put a slice of grapefruit in this one so we're just going to just cut that up there and um and uh we'll uh there we go and uh, just pop that in and i'll just hand that over there we go and um we'll pop that over for you guys to taste mm. well the first um experience part of the experience is of course I did have a little uh, taste of the gin beforehand and I really, really must say that I love it. Um, the orange and rosemary, it's a really interesting tonic, but it really works very well. You, I think you've picked a really good combination and the grapefruit is a bit different, you know, so that makes, also adds to the whole experience. Yeah, I love yeah, it's it. Good. It's good. It's, um, it's, it's a good one. We also, actually, I probably failed to mention there's a um, um, we have we we have uh, drum shambo here. It's just hiding be hiding behind um, the chef. We had a very busy weekend, so um, it's looking like an empty bottle there. Um, um, we on Saturday we will have um, a representative from uh, from drum shambo gunpowder um, to um, uh, to come and speak for the slow food festival. And also um, uh, we have um, a representative um, from Blackwater as well um, who will be here. Um, on Saturday, uh, which is Kieran Carton, to speak on behalf of uh, their gin. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a really great to to chat with you here in the Baron storehouse uh, in Listenvarna, the Baron. Wow, it's a bit of a party here, I think. <laughs> I think so. So we'll see you all, see you all on Saturday, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's starting well, anyway. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste with me, Birgitta Hedin-Kartin, guest presenter for your usual host, Sharon Noonan. Tonight's program comes to you from the Burn in County Clare. And uh, just before the break, uh, I was talking to, I've actually, actually since the break, walked up all the way from the storehouse, a few minutes walk up to the Burn butcher, Neil Halls. Uh, before before that, I was talking to Kira Halloran from Red Bank Food Company, and Kira Halloran from Kieran's Kitchen and the Burren Storehouse. So I'm here, as I said, at the Burren Butchers with Neil Horse. So Neil, great to see you. Thank you, Brigitte, and, and thank you, Sharon, for uh, calling in. Uh, so I just wanted to hear a little bit more about. Tell me the story about uh, Neil Horse and the Burren Butchers. What, 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 what are you about? What, what's your story? Well, what I'm about really is sourcing the meat um, locally as, as much as possible. For example, I'm on the Burren Food Trail at the minute and uh, I work closely there with um, Donald Monaghan. He supplies the, the Burren lamb. So, and uh, we also deal with a lot of local farmers in the area and we buy our beef off them as well. 
So I think um, when the customers come in, then, they get great confidence when they see that the, the meat is sourced locally. And, um, you know, we've been here just since last weekend, uh, 10 years here in the shop at the minute. And uh, we've great support got from, from uh, the general area in North Clare. And, uh, but also people that come to the area and uh, people that appreciate, um, we'll say, good quality meat. And uh, they, they like to even... I have uh, a few customers that come to me actually from Limerick. Um, if they're up around the burn doing some of the walks or whatever, we'll say they pop in and they might bring back some of the lamb. They, they find the flavour of the meat and uh, the natural flavour where the animals are left to graze and that um, tells in the quality of the meat. So that's our story, we'll say. I think the customers like to see the traceability factor as well, which is huge for, for the small business as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel so proud to have, you know, it's so special for Lisnavana. We have our own butcher shop. That is pretty amazing. A lot of places, they close down. Uh, but here, to have the butcher shop uh, that we can call into and, and to see all the local produce. So you have, how far do you cast your net in getting produce? You have the barn and well, other places maybe as well? We have indeed, yeah. We source our, well, f- first of all, I like to make sure we've all Irish products in the shop. And... Uh, we source our chicken from West Limerick and West Cork uh, through Strand Foods. So they have a really good product and it sells really well here in the shop. And then we source our pork from Divilies and Galway, which produce grade A pork. And, uh, you know, we introduce diff- from time to time, then we introduce different, um, um, maybe for the summer season now that we're heading into, we, we carry a lot of barbecue lines. And again, the products we have are the sauces that we use. They're from... Um, they're from uh, in Dunmanway, Spice of Life in Dunmanway. So again, you're supporting Irish um, businesses, which is important, I feel. And you're also part of the Craft Butcher. What, what's the concept of the Craft Butcher? Well, the Craft Butchers have an association that represents, um, obviously, the butchers, but um, they'd be highly respected and, and they'd, be, um, they'd be a good voice for the butcher in relation to maybe if different problems came up. For example, there a few years ago with the, with the horse meat scandal and that, they, um, they're really publicised to really shop local for the customer. And, uh, you know, in, in general, they're a great voice. And uh, they'd also give you, um, you know, good advice in relation to, we'll say, different products or, 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 or each year then they hold uh, an awards, um, end of year awards. And, and we were lucky enough in the shop to win the best rural craft butcher last year. So, again, it's good publicity for the shop. That's some achievement. That's absolutely amazing. Um, you're working also with the Burn Food Trail. How, tell me a bit more how that affects you and how, how does it work for you? Yeah, we're really happy to be a member of the Burn Food Trail because um, all over North Clare there's really good uh, foodie places and, and good local businesses, like, for example, the Burn Smokehouse just down the road. And, uh, you know, we interact and we work together. And, and just recently at Christmas, I had a group of... Um, maybe 10 or 12, uh, two families over from England and uh, I sourced all the products locally from the food trail for, them f- for their dinner and, and for the New Year celebrations and we got the St. Tullis cheese, we got the burnt smokehouse salmon, we got some chocolates from the chocolate here in, 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 over in Cairn and then they got their meat here and all that so they were delighted to be able to have a link between the, the burn and what they were eating. So tourism is important to you here in Listomona for at the burn 
uh, Burren Butchers. Yeah, you know, it is great from now on because uh, you'd notice the shop even getting busier at the minute with uh, people that come down maybe and, and they rent houses and they'd be used to shopping maybe with their butcher up, up the country or, or whatever and uh, they're delighted to be able to come in and, and maybe do their own barbecue and all that on their own and especially when they see that the meat is sourced locally and uh, you know I, I, I've built up a good relationship with customers from other counties so uh, yeah they, they come back each year and they come in and they have a bit of fun and a bit of slagging about the GA and all that but uh, overall they're really happy to be able to get a good quality product you know. And you've taken part of and supported the Burren Slow Food Festival? Yes, indeed, we have. That takes place each May. And uh, usually, we, thanks to Brigitte, uh, yourself, uh, she gives us the opportunity to do a demonstration up there. And uh, sometimes we might do, uh, obviously, we'd, we'd keep it uh, maybe a burn leg of lamb or maybe a nice uh, carvery rib of beef, local burned beef on the bone. And uh, just to explain to the customer, we'll say the, the aging process of, of the meat is huge. So, for example, uh, you know, we'd, I'd explain to them that, you know, once the, the lamb is slaughtered and that, that I, I'd give it a minimum maybe three weeks before we'd um, sell it here over the counter. And, and that uh, increases the, the moisture and uh, tenderness of the product. But uh, we're really happy to support the, you know, the burn slow food. And again, you know, it's good to be involved in the local uh, area. So it's been amazing to be here with you. I think that we have a few customers that you need to tend to. Uh, obviously a busy place to be in here. And uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk to you even during business. Uh, next coming up on the program will be a big trot trotting back down the road again and talking to my other half, Peter Curtin, in the Burren Brewery. So thanks again, Neil Halls. Fantastic that we have. Um, I want to thank you from my heart oh. as well to have uh, a local butcher here. It, it, it can be short challenging at times uh, with the winter time, but thank God we have the, the summer to rely sure. on a bit as well. For sure. No, I, I just thank you for giving me the opportunity and, uh, you know, it is great uh, for local businesses in the area to support each other and all that. So we're, we're happy to be here looking after people. So uh, thanks very much. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste with me, Birgitta Hedin Curtin, guests presenting for your usual host, Shana Noonan. So tonight's program comes from uh, Liston Varna in the Burn in County Clare. And so far on the show, we have had uh, first of Kira Halran from Red Bank Food Company. After that, we had Kieran O'Halran, also Halran, but no, no relation from the Kieran's Kitchen and the Burns Storehouse. When we trotted up the up to uh, the Burren Butcher, which is Neil Horse here in Lisbon, and then we're just walked back here to the Burren Brewery, where I'm going to interview my other half, Peter Curtin. And um, also, I want to say, if if you've missed any of the show so far, be sure to check it out later in the week when it comes up uh, on the Best Possible Taste podcast on SharonNoonan.com. So here we are. Peter Curtin, my other half. Uh, tell me, Peter, you started the Burren Brewery. Uh, what was your inspiration really for that? Uh, the inspiration for the brewery was three things. One is I'm interested in brewing. Two, 
the whole uh, ethos and the whole story of, of country pubs were dying back, thousands of pubs closing down, closing down. I wanted to have a point of distinction for the pub. And three, a bit of exercise. So what, what are the beers? Which one do you prefer? And what are the beers that you're brewing here, Peter? Well, it's more a question of what I have discovered about people's tastes over the six years that I've been brewing. I discovered the heavy hitters are the people who like lots of taste. And they're people who like stout. So they're the burn black stout people. They're people who like strong coffee. They like lots of taste and everything. The majority of people are people who drink lager. So the burn gold lager is the most popular. And the piggy in the middle are the people who drink the red ale. Red ale is a distinctive flavours and very much Irish taste and not at all in the direction of the IPAs or any of that kind of stuff. We're, we're very traditionalist. And they're session beers. So you can sit and have a, a longer conversation without being overly inebriated in a hurry. Will you also tell the listeners maybe about, you know, the concept of the brewery, you know, as opposed to <coughs> you, we don't do any bottling here. You don't do bottling. And, you know, how, how do we operate? Well, I suppose uh, the whole the beginnings of it was the great fortune for me in that my good uh, friend, uh, Jerry Dobbin's brother, Brendan Dobbin, is a famous brewmaster. And I bought the recipes, I leased the yeast, and I bought all the equipment, and I did an in-house pupillage with him. So that was a great start. And uh, it went on from there in that uh, we're very much into the tradition of allowing the malted barleys to, uh, the taste of them, to come to fruition. Of course, there are, there are hops of various different kinds of hops, depending on the brew, but we... We are primarily old school. In fact, in Ireland, the Americans have rated the Warren Black Stout in the top five percentile of stouts in Ireland, and their description of it would be the continuum of the traditional taste of stout from about 70 years ago. So we're a lot about tradition. And how fresh will the beer be when people come and taste it? Well, the freshest beer and the most uh, impressive was one day I passed by having done a Burren Black Stout and I saw four American gentlemen sitting at a table and I said, you're having the stout? And they said, yes. I said, that's basically 12 minutes old. So you can get the stout from when it's run out to totally fresh. It's never more than, it's, it's never more than a week or two. So among all the other ideas that you come up with, uh, the beer festival, I think the uh, you started on the, the concept of it, and there's going to be a few more brews happening? Uh, the beer festival is happening at, on the, uh, the, 20, what is it, the 27th and 8th of uh, this month, May. It's an exciting time for me because I have to get ready for the goddamn festival, right? And ready for the festival for me is doing exciting things. Before I start to talking to you right now, I've been researching how to capture wild yeast. So I have a plan to uh, have a brew that's made with wild yeast. I've been on to a friend of mine this morning to get uh, loads of wild honey so that I can make a honey beer. And uh, I've been on to a local herbalist, uh, Lisa Guinan, to uh, collaborate on making a beer using the traditional beer using what they call grut, which is a triumvirate of herbs. Prior to uh, brewing beer with hops, it was always brewed with a triumvirate of herbs. So uh, there'll be extra beers. There'll be uh, a chocolate 
uh, stout, which would be more um, sweet uh, and um, kind of less bitter flavour on it. And then we'll have a blonde ale, which will have nice Amarillo hops. So uh, lots of fun and music. So good food, good music, good beer. And we'll leave the, other, the rest of it up to your own imagination. Well, Peter, um, that's, that's brilliant. So what, what else uh, would you like to say about the, the brewery and the future of Irish craft brewers in Ireland? What, what would you have a comment on that? Well, I suppose uh, when I started out uh, six years ago, the Burren Brewery at the Roadside Tavern was number 18 on the island of Ireland. And now, six years later, there's probably 73. Uh, brewing follows every other um, industry that becomes uh, popular, or food business that becomes uh, popular. You have the first generation with lots and lots. Then you have a certain amount of consolidation where some brewers won't make it. Their business model won't be correct. And then you'll have others that will be snapped up by the bigger brewers. And that's the normal course of events. So, But I think you, you will still have a healthy brew culture in Ireland. I mean, after all, the finest barley that uh, for malting to make beers uh, comes from Ireland. You know, despite people uh, making jokes about the Irish weather, in fact, um, making the, the, the barley for, for malting it needs nice, uh, moist, not too hot and not too dry weather. So we're ideally placed for drinking good beer. So I, I, there's, uh, the future is good. And what would you say to somebody who's thinking of starting up a, a brewery themselves? Um, well, I would say that uh, have a look at your uh, business model. It's absolutely essential that you don't put yourself in a position where you have too, uh, serious and too much uh, competition. If I were uh, starting out again in a different environment and a different time in my life, I would probably have a reasonably substantial brewery of maybe batch size, 10,000 litres, uh, with a really good uh, canning, bottling plant, and I would probably export most all of the beers because there are many countries now in the world, and, and when you make a good beer, these uh, people have so many beers in their uh, portfolio, that they're obliged to take on really good beer. So I'd be inv- I, I would encourage exporting. What nationalities are really the most excited about the coming to the Burren Brewery? Uh, by far the most excited in general are the Americans. You know, they're uh, very open people, very, um, very open to discussing everything and anything. They're very generous people and uh, they're very curious. And of course, America has gone to ginormous numbers of craft breweries. You're talking now heading up to five and a half thousand. When I opened a brewery at the Burren Brewery at the Roadside Tavern, there was about three and a half thousand. And in that time, there's 2,000 more breweries opened in the United States. So it's phenomenal over there. Just a question, I, I forget, like the, the, the Hobbit Ale. Can you take me a bit, bit about the Hobbit Ale that you did a few years back? Yeah, the Hobbit Ale. Well, we won't tell you everything we did with the Hobbit Ale because, uh, yeah, for whatever reason. But essentially, it was a, cl- a collaboration between a lovely local gentleman that lives, our neighbour, Tim Hartigan, who's a herbalist. And Tim arrived at the brewery at my request and he had two wonderful paper bags, one that he had written cheerful and the other interesting. And it was all about the idea that we would brew with Groot and that people would sample the lovely flavours and then wait for it to happen. 
Well, that's a, that's a Tolkien story and a half, right? So thank you very much to Peter uh, for doing that. And uh, as, I, as I said previously, if you've missed any of the show so far, be sure to check it out later in the week when it comes goes up on the best possible taste podcast on sharonnoonan.com. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That brings us to the end of tonight's show, which will be on the podcast later in the week on sharonnoonan.com or subscribe to it free of charge on iTunes or use the podcast app. We look forward to welcoming you to the Baron for this week's festival as well, uh, which is coming up this Saturday and Sunday. Uh, you can find all the program on slowfoodclare.com. There'll be gin tasting, uh, cheese tasting. We have people like um, John Mulcahy from Fulcher Island. Darren Allen will be there. You can go for a trip in Under the Cliffs of Moher on the Friday night um, with the picnic, champagne and smoked salmon picnic. There'll be lots of fun uh, happening and a big banquet on the sa- Saturday night. I'd also like to highlight a free event taking place next week in Limerick. So it's the third in the Bank of Ireland food series hosted in the workbench space, which is a brilliant space, on O'Connell Street. So next Tuesday, the 16th of May, the focus is on the impact design and branding can have on your restaurant experience. Uh, it's chaired by the very woman Gillian Nealis, managing editor of the Sunday Business Post. And, the, and we will have contributors, including Gary Hanlon, head chef at Viewmont House in Longford, who will be familiar to you as the chef responsible for supporting cele- celebrity chefs on TV3's The Restaurant. Uh, the presentations and discussions take place from 6.30 p.m. until 9.30 p.m. And you'll get all the details on eventbrite.ie. So th- thanks so much for listening. And to all of this evening's guests. So we have Kira Han- Halran from Red Bank uh, Food Company. We had uh, Kieran Waharan from the Bur- Kieran's Kitchen and the Burns Storehouse. And we had Neil Horse from the Baron Butchers. And least but not last, Peter Carter, my other half, from the Baron Brewery. So um, it was, this is my first time ever having hosting uh, and presenting the radio. It was quite nerve-wracking at times and also preparing beforehand. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and. I, I got a bit of practice and hopefully in the future maybe I'll try it, try my hand on it again. So until next week when Sharon Nuna will be back in the presented chairs, smaklig måltid! Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!